Let us pray. Our dear, precious, loving Heavenly Father, indeed, you are our anchor. For Lord, without you, we can do nothing. You are our strength, Lord. You are our hope, King of glory. You are our rock and our righteousness. You are our all in all. We are here, Lord Jesus, that you may anchor us more and more in you. For Lord, we are weak and frail without you. But we are depending on you this morning. We appreciate you for your presence. Because we know that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is total liberty. There is deliverance. There is healing. We remember your servant of old David who said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go in the house of the Lord. For in the house of the Lord there is deliverance. There is joy and peace because there is the presence of the Lord. May you minister to us, Father, this morning. We are needy people, Lord. We are so much in need of you. Hold us by the hand this morning, Lord. Reveal yourself unto us, King of glory, and speak to us, Heavenly Father. We surrender all our beings unto you, praying Jesus that will have preeminence. We remember our dear pastor, Pastor Gideon, who is not here with us this morning. We commit him in your precious hands, Heavenly Father, praying, Lord, that you stand by him, dear Jesus. Have your own way, Father, for we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We shall read from John, John chapter 13, from verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he raised from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and guarded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel. Wherewith he was guarded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Na yembaga yoku itako yalinga tenatuka, yesu weyamanya 
Ngechisela che chituse okuva kunsi muno kugendele chitawe. Ya yagala ababe abali monsi ya bagala okutusa inkomerero. Bali bali emere yeche gulostani nga yamaze dokuwerera Yuda Iskariote omwana wa Simoni mutima gwe okumulya amoru kwe Yesu bo yamanya nga chitawe amuwadde byonna mukono gwe eranga yava wakatonda atenga da wakatonda nava ku mere nayambula mu ngoyeze nadire kiremba Yesu be kimyu nalyo kafuka amazi mu kibyana tanulo kunaza bayigirizo ebigere nokubisimuze kiremba kye yali Yesu bi Najeri Simoni Petro nena mgamanti mkama wangu Unaze vigire yesu nada mgamanti Chenko lanze Tochimanyi kwe kakano na yori chitegira Rufanyuma May the Lord add a blessing To the reading of his word You may be seated Mutuleko I want us to share this morning Nyagane nchalero tukabane On this subject the prophet preached Mutuguno nabigu ya bulirako of images of Christ. Amen? Images of Christ. Now an image is a reflection of an object or an expression of, of an object. Amen? And uh, for example, uh, an image of a cow is a cow. An image of a dog is a dog. My image should portray me exactly. Amen? Amen. And images of Christ should portray Christ. Uh, the prophet talks of uh, uh, a, a country boy who had visited town. And uh, he saw the mirror for the first time. And he was so amazed with the mirror. He drew towards it and his image also drew towards the mirror. He moved backwards. His image also moved backwards. He raised his hand. It also raised its hand. He twisted his head. It also twisted the head. And then finally, he said, that's me. He realized that that was his image. That was his reflection. Now we come in the house of God to be judged. We come here to be corrected. We come here in the mirror of the word of God. Because the word of God is a mirror. It is supposed to reflect us. James says, James, I think it's James chapter 1 verse around 22. It says, be doers of the word. Not hearers only. And it goes on to say, 
For he who hears the word and does not do it is like someone who looks at himself in a glass or a mirror and he quickly forgets how he looks like. But he who continues in the perfect law of God being a doer of the word will be blessed. So the word is supposed to reflect you. If the word is preached, it should reflect your image. You should compare yourself with that mirror of the word. Lord, how am I standing? Am I patterning the word? How is my image compared to your word? So the image is a reflection of an object. And images of Christ should portray Christ exactly. The images of Christ should portray the character of Christ, the behavior of Christ, and the nature of Christ. Now at Antioch, people saw uh, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. The way they behaved, the way, uh, the, uh, the way they were humble, the way they were meek, the way they loved people, the way they cast out demons, and they said, these people are Christ-like. Because they pattern Christ. Their character is like that one of Christ. They behave like Christ. And from then on, that word Christian started. Meaning that they are Christ-like. They behave like Christ. They have the character of Christ. Their nature is that one of Christ. Now what made them that was not their own way of doing things. They got that nature of Christ on the day of Pentecost. Because the Bible says on the day of Pentecost they were together in one room in the upper room and they were in one accord. And then the Spirit of God came down. They heard the sound like that one of a mighty rushing wind. And it came and filled the whole room. And then they saw cloven tongues of fire that settled on each and every one of them. And they were saying that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke in tongues. You see, cloven tongues of fire. The pillar of fire descended on each and every one of them. That pillar of fire that Saul met when he was, he was going to Damascus. And it smote him down. And when he fell down, a voice spoke. Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, 
am Christ whom you are persecuting. It is so hard for you to kick against the priest. That same pillar of fire is the one that filled each and every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ when they were in the upper room. They received the very life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what made them images of Christ. That's what made them Gave them the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. People may look at, at you. Maybe people who knew your parents. And then they will say, that person resembles the late so and so. And yet you may not resemble him you know, physically. You may not have his structure. You may, you, you may not be as tall as he was. Or as brown as he was. But the way you walk. May portray him exactly. Maybe, maybe the way you make your gestures. Maybe the way you talk. Maybe your voice itself may portray your father. Now, what makes that? It is the DNA that you, uh, that you have of your father. Amen? And we also as believers we should have the DNA of the Lord Jesus Christ which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is the only thing that can make us images of Christ. It is the only thing that can give us the character of Christ, the behavior of Christ, the nature of Christ. Hear what the prophet says. In this very message of images of Christ, You can never forge that image of Christ. It says, I believe that being an image of Christ makes you a Christian. It's not what we do outwardly. It's what's happened inwardly. That makes us what we are. Then therefore, if he's our image, and we are in his likeness, and members of his body, we should be images like him. Then our lives should reflect the image of Christ. Not in our joining church or in our parking of the crucifix or our emotions. But it should be in the living presence of the living God. That is reflected through our lives. Amen? Amen. 
It should not be emotions. Emotions cannot portray the image of Christ. But it should be the inward work that has happened in your soul and given you the nature of Christ. Amen? Amen. He says it's not packing of the crucifix or emotions. But it should be in the living presence of the living God. The living presence of the living God living in your life and portraying his life in you. Amen? So we should have that very life of Christ in us to be images of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us read Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 7. It says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. Tumujukide ngabo, ababa fuga, ababa bulide chigamo chakatonda, elanga mutu nulide nkumino yempisa zawe, mungobirudengo kukiza kwawe. Yesu Christu, Joe, Nedero, Ababumu, Noctus, and Mirembe, Mirembe. Amen? Amen. Remember them which have the rule over you. Mujukirengabo, Ababafuga. Who have spoken unto you the word of God. In other words, remember your ministers. Those ones who have spoken to you the word of God. Whose faith follow. Considering the end of their conversation. Follow them. Believe them. But also follow their conduct. Follow their behavior. Do they portray Christ? Do they have? Are they the images of Christ? These days people are led by so many kind of different ministers who don't have the conduct of Christ. Who don't have the conduct of the word. You cannot have, you cannot behave like Christ unless you have the nature of Christ in you. Brethren, the nature of Christ can never be forged. It is an inward work that will happen in your soul and transform your life and make you Christ-like. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul had that nature of Christ. He had the life of Christ. 
So he's telling us here, follow their conduct. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not change. That Jesus Christ who made Moses in the burning bush and said, I am. And gave Moses his nature. The Bible says, Moses was the most meek person. I believe he was not just born meek. But when he met him in the burning bush, he got that nature. Jesus is the same yesterday. That Jesus who met Moses in the burning bush and told him when Moses asked him what will I tell them? What will I tell the children of Israel? What should I say if they ask me who has sent you? Go and tell them that I am what I am. That is my name. And here he's in flesh. And then they meet him. And they tell him, You claim to be God. And you are just 50 years old, rather 30 years old. And he tells them, Before Abraham was, I was. Before Abraham was, I am. They told him, you claim to have seen Abraham Because he told them, before Abraham, uh, he told them, Abraham was glad to see me. And he saw me and he was glad. And then they asked him, you are not yet even 50 years. And he claimed to have seen Abraham. And he told them before Abraham was, I am God. So that I am who changes not, who is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. When he meets you today, and gives you his nature, you will portray his image. He met Moses then, yesterday, and he gave him his nature. He met Jacob, and Jacob wrestled with him, and he made him a limping priest. So, follow their conduct. Those ministers. Brethren, the only way we can get the character of Christ, the only way we can portray Christ, is when that inward work is done in our lives. Now, the prophet says, in that message of... Uh, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. He says that there are three purposes why God was manifested in flesh. One of them, he wanted people to see him. That omnipotent God, that omniscient God, that infinite God, that God who dwelt alone, he wanted people to see him. 
And the second purpose, he wanted to have preeminence in his church. He wanted to come in the body of flesh, die for you and me, release the Holy Ghost so that you receive that Holy Ghost. His own nature. And he makes you his image. And then he controls you fully. And he gets preeminence in you and me. And he also wanted to return us back to that academic rule. So he wanted people to see him. They could not see him in the form of the spirit. He had to make himself a body. He wanted people to see his character. He wanted them to see his nature. He wanted them to see his behavior. And then finally he wanted to die for them. And give them his own life. So that they become images of Christ. First Timothy 3.16. It says without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. Because God was manifested in flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached to the Gentiles. And then returned back to his glory. Great is the mystery. Of godliness. God. Was manifested in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seed of angels. In that message, the super sign, the prophet says, it was a super, super, super sign for God to be manifested in the flesh. To be seed of angels. And there he says, can you imagine those angels, the highest form of angels that Isaiah saw, the seraphims and the cherubims, who could not dare look to God. They had covered their face with their two wings. They had covered their feet. Highest form of angels. Lord, we are too inferior to look at you. You are too holy. They had covered their face. They had covered their feet. And with two wings, they flew. Holy, holy, is the Lord God of hosts. They would turn to one another and say, Hole, Hole, Hole. And the Bible says, The glory of God, the train of God, it filled the whole temple. And the whole temple shook. But here, they are seeing him. In that message, the prophet says, can you imagine the creator of the heavens and the earth 
is walking on the streets of Galilee. And the highest form of angels, the seraphims and the cherubims, are at the balcony of heaven. And they are looking at him. And they are wondering, look, he's walking on the streets of Galilee. Is he the one or is he not the one? Look, he's at the well, just having a conversation. With a prostitute woman. A Samaritan woman. Look. He's entering the house. Of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And he's having a meal with them. Indeed it is a great mystery. He was seen of angels. And then they wonder. But when he reaches the tomb of Lazarus and he cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, then there, oh, they said that is Jehovah. That is the power of Jehovah. He was seen of angels. Angels saw him lying in the boat. As he was crossing the sea. With the disciples rowing. His creation is rowing him. And the angels are looking. Look he's resting in the boat. And the tempest comes. And it shakes the boat. And the boat is filling. And the disciples run to him. Lord don't you care that we perish. And he wakes up. And he rebukes the wind. Wind, calm down. Tempest cease. And the angels said, truly, truly. That is Jehovah. It was a great, great, great mystery. He was manifested in flesh. But with one purpose to come and dwell in his church and make his own image in you and me. John testified of him. He said, that one which we heard of, that one which we saw with our own eyes, that one whom we touched. Let us read that scripture. First John. Chapter 1. Verse 1. It says. That which was from the beginning. Which we have heard. Which we have seen, excuse me, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. 
Chechaba okuva kulubirebirie chetuwa ulida chetuwa labana masoga fe chetuwa tunulida elenga loza fe chizakwa tako Vieti gambe chovulamu novulamu Bwala bisibwa netulaba era Tutegeza era tubabu ulina mwe obulamu obobuta guwao Obwaba wawali chita fe nebula bisibwa chetuli Chetuwa labana netulida Chetubabu ulirana mwe na mamuli oke musechi muna fe Era na yoku sechi mkwa fe Kuline chita fe Era na umana we Yesu Christo Amen That one which was from the beginning What is that? It is the word of God From the beginning was the word In the beginning was the word The word was with God The word was God The word was God that one which was from the beginning, which we had, which we saw with our own eyes, which we touched, they touched him. They ate with him. They walked with him. They had fellowship with him. And John is testifying that we also may have the same fellowship as they had. God condescending and coming in flesh to give you his own life so that you may portray him here on earth. The prophet preached a sermon called Masterpiece. And in that sermon, he talks about a great artist, a great sculptor, uh, Michel, uh, Michelangelo. Michelangelo. And he says, that man, he had a vision in him of how Moses would look like. How the image of Moses would look like. And him being a sculptor, he went to the quarry. And he got a very big stone. And he sat down with a hammer and a chisel. Holding a hammer and a chisel. And he started sculpting. Having his image in his mind. And every day, he was chipping off some chips. Trying to shape it in the image of Moses. And he says it took him a very long time. He labored a lot. But every day, it would, it would, it would bring it nearer to, 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 the, to the image that he had. That image of Moses. And after very many days of laboring, sculpting it and shaping it, finally, the image of Moses came out very, very clearly. Just the way he had it in his mind. And he says that 
sculptor was too excited. He looked at it and he saw the image of Moses that he had. Until he became so excited and he smote it. He says he hit it on, on the knee and he said, speak. Why can't you speak? He was too excited. He thought it could even speak. And the prophet says, he made a dent on it. And that one is what made it the greatest art piece. Because when people would come and then they would get the explanation of how he was inspired and how he shaped it and how he saw that image coming out and hit it then it made it a masterpiece and then the prophet says even God himself he had in mind the image of his son how he would look like how that image would portray him. How his son would portray his character. His behavior. His nature. And after getting that vision, that image. In him. Him being God. He said, truly, truly. This is my image. And the prophet says, just as that Michael Angel smote that image and said, why don't you speak? Even the God himself, he smote his son. Jesus Christ at Calvary. For your sins and my sins. He saw his image clearly in Christ. And he smote him. For you and for me. Christ portrayed God. In every nature. In every way. The way Christ behaved. Is the the exact way that God behaves. And there, God declared. And he said, he's the lamb. Slain before the foundation of the world. He saw his image in his son. And he started prophesying. Sending prophecies. Through his prophets, a child is born. The son is given. His name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Very many years back, he was seeing his image. He was seeing his son. 
And he said in Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? Our report of salvation. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. In other words, he will grow up before me as a tender plant. Let us read that scripture. God seeing his image in his son Jesus Christ. He saw his son and he declared he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Isaiah 53 from verse 1. <coughs> Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah Surayata Numusa Dokubakunyurusoka Anya Kiriza Ebigambu Yafi Edanya Bikuridua Mukonogwa Mukama Vanga Yakurida Maso Ge Ngechi Simbe Chigombu Edangech Koro Echiva Mutake Karu Tadina Ambala Nwakwa Dobulunji Ira wetumulaba ngatewali na kalunji akatumwegombesa yanyomebwa naganibwa abantu omuntu owenaku era yamanyiro buyinike ndango omuntu abantu gwe bakweka amaso gabwe byanyomebwa bwacho nitamuita mu kabuntu mazima yeti ko buyinike bwafe nasitula enaku zafe na yetu amuluzanga yakubibwa yafumitibwa katonda nabonya bunyizwa na yafumitibwa olokusobya kwafe Yabete ntebwa ulobutari butukilivu wafe. Okubone dezibo kwe mirembe jafe kwa alikuye ele migoje jejitu wonya. Amen. <coughs> Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The report of salvation. That was supposed to be accomplished. By his son, the Lord Jesus. Who has believed it? Thanks be to the Lord. You and me believed that report. That's why we are here this morning. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of salvation. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. God's nature being portrayed in his son, Jesus. His son 
shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Not rigid, but tender. Tender to the will of the Father. Meek and lowly. When Jesus was here, he said, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me. For I'm meek and lowly and you will achieve a rest for your soul. Brethren, that is God's nature. That is his character. He's a meek God. And he's lowly. God was portraying his character in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'm meek and lowly. And we, his images, have also, we are supposed to portray that character. We are not supposed to be arrogant. We are not supposed to be rigid to his will. We are supposed to be meek, tender, lowly, just like Christ. But do you know that you can never attain that character unless you cry to him to come in you and portray his own life in you. Just as we sing in that song, make me humble like you Make me pray like you. Make me meek like you. He saved us to call upon him. So that he gives us his nature so that we become images of Christ. He is a meek God. He's lowly. That is the character and nature of God. Can you imagine the creator of the heavens and earth being so low to an extent that he came down to live in you and me. But that is his nature. He is meek. He is lowly. He is a tender, tender plant. Amen? Amen. That is God's character. That is his nature. Can you imagine the creator of the heavens and earth becoming so low to an extent that he walks on foot. That God would have commanded anything to happen. But because of his meekness, he walks on foot. He identifies himself with the law people. He identifies himself with his creation. The prophet says, what makes God, uh, in that message, God in simplicity? Prophet katonda mubwangu. That God, God in simplicity. In simplicity. 
And he said, what makes God so great is because he can make himself so simple, so humble, that the great will just bypass him. God can be so low, which the great people can never do. The rich and the wealthy, those mighty men, can never make themselves so low. But the creator of the heavens and earth can humble himself and become so, so low. Hear what the prophet says. He says, But we must in our souls reflect his spirit. His image and his manner of life. I do not believe that Christians consist of joining churches or creeds. But I believe it is a reflection of Jesus Christ in a human being, for we are his members, the members of his body, and we bear the image of Christ. Now, what kind of an image was he? He came not to be some great somebody, yet he was. But he came as a servant. He came not to be ministered to, but to minister. Our text tonight reflects what he was. He's talking about where we read that he washed the disciples' feet. That great God did not come to be served, but he became a servant. That omnipotent God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the Bible says, I think it is in Psalms 19. Verse 1 it says, All heaven declares the glory of God. Just as we sing in that song, All heaven declares the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handwork. The heavens declare the glory of God. The galaxies, those Milky Ways, all those great, great stars, they declare the glory of the Lord. Until people looked at them, just like the Greeks, they looked at those, you know, stars and those galaxies, the Mars and the Jupiters and so forth, and they said, that is our God. They thought, those uh, uh, galaxies and so forth, they said, maybe that one is God. And even here, 
People worship the sun and so forth and the moon. But you know that God is not there. He just created all that just to declare his glory. But when he wanted to show himself to us, he came in a human being. And now he condescended even Father, to come and live in you and me and make images of Christ. Oh, what a mystery. Indeed, it is a great mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness that God can humble himself and become so, so low. That is the nature of God. Amen? That's what makes him great in my estimation. Yet being the very God of eternity, the very God who created the heavens and the earth, and when he came here, he took the lowest position. Amen? The most disdesirable job that anybody could have, that was a foot wash flunky. Thanks be Can you imagine how low he became? The prophet says he became a foot washer. And he said that was the lowest job there. Because the prophet says in Palestine in the east, whenever people would have banquets, people would come walking on foot. And when they would reach at the door, before you enter into the banquet, you would find there a foot washer with a basin and soap. And you'd sit down on a stool. And he would wash your feet. And you'd get a perfume and perfume them. Remove the dust. And then you'd walk in. You'd give your garment and then you'd walk. That was the lowest job. Washing that feet. But the creator of the heavens and the earth had to take up that job. That's what makes him so great. But God portraying his nature in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He had no form. He had no comeliness. There was no beauty on him. That's what Isaiah 53 says. He had no form. He had no comeliness. He had no beauty. Brother Branham says, Brother Branham Agamba, he saw the vision of the Lord Jesus Christ two times in his life. And he says, the nearest appearance 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Among all these people who tried to paint him and so forth, is that, that Hoffman's picture? According to the vision, the prophet saw. And he saw him twice only. And he says one time he saw him at around 7 in the morning. And he was standing between heaven and earth. And he was looking on another at a certain angle. And he says that vision that he saw, he saw a man who was not a giant, a small kind of man. And he describes him of about five feet and about nine inches of eight inches. A man of a small stature. He was not a giant. And he looked so loving. But he says, when he turned to look at him, from another perspective, he says he was a man that if he would speak one word, the whole world would disintegrate. So that is the image of our Lord. No beauty about him. Nothing special about him. But he's the mighty God who holds the whole universe. The Bible calls him the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For all things were created by him and for him. And in him all things consist. But he had no beauty. He had no comeliness. That is the character of our God. So humble so lowly that you can even bypass him. And he wants to give you that nature. Brethren, you cannot receive it by emotions. We only have to wait upon him. Just like they waited in the upper room until he came. But then our prophet tells us we are not supposed to tarry because the Holy Ghost is already given. His nature is already given. We have to reach out and receive that nature. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Do you know that that God who saw the image of his son, Jesus Christ, and declared he's the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He also saw your image. And he saw the image of Jesus Christ. 
Before the foundation of the world. He saw your image. He knew your character. He knew your heart. He knew you'd be tender. Just like his son Jesus Christ. Just like this sculptor had an image of Moses. That's how God had your image. And he went in the query of the world. That query of denominations. And chipped you out. Just like that Michelangelo chipped out. That stone. Having in mind the image. And he started working on it. That's how God foresaw us before the foundation of the world. There was nothing good in us. We are just in that corner lying there. We are in sins and transgressions. But the hand of God reached out for us. And here we are. Just as we sing in that song. They come from the east and west. They come from the lands of far. To feast with the king. To dine as his guests. How privileged these pilgrims are. We have come from the east. From the west. Different queries. The Congo query he chipped there. From Kabale he chipped. From Kisoro he chipped. From the North he chipped. And just as Moses was working. Tirelessly. Rather, Michael Angel. Just like he was sculpting to get the image of Christ. God also is working on you. Day and night. Chipping us. Cutting off that last. Cutting off that bad dressing. Cutting off the gossip. Every moment we come before his presence, his mirror, and we look at ourselves, God is chipping us, and he's working on us to get his image, the image of Christ. He says here, it's been told me by authorities that before they had the days of smelter <coughs> to take the dross out of the gold and take the iron and pyrite the pyrite is so close like the real gold. Till it is called the fool's gold. But the way they got all that out, that they had to beat it out with a hammer. Then they 
The Indians used to do that and the old goldsmiths used to do it. Beat it with a hammer and turn it over and over and beat it until all the dross is out of it. Amen? And when the beater could see his reflection in it, then, the one who was beating it could constantly look until he could almost shave by his own reflection in the gold that he was beating. Amen. Amen. And when the Holy Ghost Spirit and when the Holy Spirit of God begins to beat on us with a gospel hammer until all of the things of the world is beaten out and we can reflect the image of the Lord God, then I believe we become Christians. Amen. The word Christians means Christ-like. And to reflect him. Amen. Amen. In those olden times, the goldsmiths used to get gold full of iron pirate and all that, that stuff. And they did not have smelters. And they used to beat it. Beat it and beat it and turn it. Until they get their reflection. Then there, that would be pure gold. And the prophet is telling us, that's what God is doing. He beats us. He turns us around. He allows all trials and temptations. Sometimes we wonder. Lord, why such and such a thing? Why such and such a heavy trial? But that God, who foreknew you before the foundation of the world. The Bible says, in Romans chapter 8, those ones whom he foreknew, he predestinated. And those ones whom he predestinated, he called. Those ones whom he called, he justified. And those ones whom he justified, he glorified. Those ones whom he knew before the foundation of the world, he predestinated. Are you predestinated this morning? What is the sign that you are predestinated? It's because you were called. 
When you heard his voice, you could not resist it. It was a great pull, a great force that you could not resist. And you found yourself coming. So that one who called you is supposed to justify you. And he did it already. Because when you accepted him, you were justified. So the one who justified you is more than able to sanctify you. And he's working on us every day that passes by. Trying to get his reflection. Trying to get his image. Trying to get his character. The Bible says, no one has ever seen God. Let us read that scripture. It says, nobody has ever seen God, but the only begotten son, who is in the bosom of his father, has declared him. John chapter 1, verse 18. Oh, he's the image of that invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. John chapter 1 verse 8, verse 18. It says, No man hath seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Amen. Nobody has ever seen God at any time. But the only begotten son who is in the bosom of his father has declared him. Jesus Christ yes, came to declare God to us. He came to declare God's character to us. God as a forgiving God. Nobody had ever seen God forgiving. But his son declared that to us. Remember that woman who was caught in adultery and in the Bible says the Pharisees brought her before the Lord and they said Lord here is a woman who has been caught in adultery in the very act. And according to Moses' law, she's supposed to be stoned What do you say about it? And the Bible says, they did that just to tempt him and see what he will say. But the Bible says, he just bent low, looked down, and wrote something. And then when, uh, when he was writing, he said, whosoever has no sin, let him 
Let him be the first one to cast the stone. And he bent down and continued writing. And when he raised his head, one by one, they had left. Their conscience had accused them. Because they were all sinners. Though they had not committed that act, but they were sinners. And the Bible says, he raised his head and there was none of them. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, Lord, there is none. He had remained with her, two of them, Jesus and the woman. The creator of the heavens and the earth portraying his character. All these accusers had moved away because they were sinners. The Bible says, right from the elder to the last. In other words, from the high priests, like Ananias and so forth, to the lowest, their consciences were choosing them. And they all left. And two of them remained. The Lord and the woman. God, in flesh, remained with the woman. A type of the church. We were seen as brethren. But God in his mind, he had that image of you and me. We are filthy and dirty. Adulterers, thieves, drunkards. But that forgiving God told that woman, a type of the church, a type of you and me, neither do I Condemn you. Go and sin no more. I also don't condemn you. I have forgiven you. But just go and keep on believing. Because sin is unbelievable. He called us from the world, from the queries of the world, that we trust him. Salvation depends on faith. Go and sin no more. Continue believing on me. I started the good work in you. I chipped you from the query. I justified you. Keep on believing on me. I will sanctify you. I will glorify you because I'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Paul said, he who started that good work, he will accomplish it. God is working on us. He's chipping us. He knew us before the foundation of the world. He had our image. But just as, th as that goldsmith is working on the gold and removing all the trash. That's how God expects you and me 
to wait upon him through faith so that he gives us his image. Because the Bible says all that was in God he poured in Christ. And all that was in Christ he has poured in his church. You remember when the Lord was being baptized? By John the Baptist? They always say that he came out of the water. And when he came out of the water, a dove came from heaven. The Spirit of God in the form of a dove descended upon him. And a voice spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son. Whom I'm so pleased dwell in. And the fullness of God dwelt in Christ. He was the image of that invisible God. And on the day of Pentecost, all that was in Christ, he poured in his church to make images of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Branham says, Brother Branham Agamba, when they were building the temple of Solomon, they got different stones to build, to erect that temple. Stones from different, different places. Different queries. And they would work on them into different shapes. And he says when they brought them to build the temple, you could not even hear a hammer or a saw. You don't hear a saw. Every stone was fitting. And you know that Solomon's temple types the body of the Lord Jesus. God has chipped us from different places. And he's shaping us in the right shapes. So that when we come in his body, we shall just fit. The only thing you have to do, just as we sing in that song, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. You just have to yield and tell him, Lord, you started this good work. I didn't know you. You loved me. You brought me out. Work on me and give me any shape that you want. The prophet talks about a young lady who came to testify. A black American. 
And she said, I want to testify for the glory and honor of the Lord. And she said, I'm not what I want to be. Neither am I what I want, I, I ought to be. But I'm not what I used. And the prophet said that was a great testimony. She had realized that God is working on her. She's not what she wants to be. Maybe she was not filled with the Holy Ghost. She was not yet glorified. Neither am I what I ought to be. I'm still far. From the image of Christ. But I'm not what I used. And the prophet said. She had realized. That God was doing a work. In her. Brethren. The Lord. Is doing a work in us. We could maybe have, maybe we have not portrayed exactly the meekness of Christ. Jesus Yesu came to declare him to us. No one has ever seen God but the only begotten Son has declared him. God was a compassionate God. He was a meek God. So meek to an extent that he washed disciples' feet. Performed the lowest job of that time. God is a forgiving God. They asked him how many times should we forgive those ones who offend us? And he said 70 times. Times seven. In other words, however much they offend you, be tolerant. He's a tolerant God. He sees people so hungry after he has preached to them. Just like we see, we prepare, just like deacons and trustees. When we have, you know, weekend challenges. Even if there is no money. At least they get ways of preparing a meal for people. So that they don't go hungry. Do you know that that one is a character of Christ? It is a character of God. God in flesh sees multitudes after preaching to them and he tells his disciples these people they look hungry and the disciples turn to him but Lord there are too many we don't have enough money that can satisfy them But then they tell him, but there is a boy here who has packed his lunch. He has five buns and some two fish. And he says, call him. They call the boy. He prays for the 
burns and the fish. And he starts and baskets and baskets of bread and fish. God in flesh portraying his character as a compassionate God. God reaches the tomb of Lazarus and at his, at, at his funeral at his People are mourning. And they say, oh, if he had been here, maybe Lazarus would not have died. And he's held with compassion. And the Bible says that he wept. A compassionate God. Revealing to us that when we are bereaved, he feels so sad. He's a compassionate God. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. But when he reached there, he asked Martha, where have you buried her? And Martha tells, tells him, Lord, he has been buried four days now. And there must be a great, great stench. Master, didn't I tell you that if you could only believe you would see the glory of the Lord? Remove the stone. And they remove it. And he cries with a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out. A man who was dead four days but because he's God in flesh he raises him a compassionate God God wants that nature in you and me and we can never achieve it just by emotions just by claiming it we have to go on the knees and call upon him. And tell him, Lord, you promised. And remain on the knees. <coughs> and seek his face. Until he comes in you. And he gives you that nature. We should thirst for it. We should long for it. We should desire it. God had a good purpose. The one who started the work. You did not call yourself from the world. You didn't seek him. That's what the Bible says. No one can come to me without my father drawing me. He's the one who drew you because in his mind just like Moses had that image he also had a, an image of you. He just wants you to surrender to him and have faith in him and tell him Lord work on me. You are the porter. I'm just a lamp of clay. Give me the thirst, Lord. 
Give me the hunger for you. You are supposed to mourn every day until he has filled you. Because he promised blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. God is more willing to portray himself in you. Because that is the whole purpose why he called you out of the world. So that he gets a reflection here on earth. <coughs> the Bible says he came to destroy the works of the devil. The devil came to steal, kill and destroy. He came to make us sick. He came to kill us. But the Lord came to cast demons from us. He came to save us. He came to fill us with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And he wants his church to continue with that work. That's why on the day of Pentecost, when his disciples received the Holy Ghost, and they became the images of Christ, then the book of the Acts of the Apostles was written. But the prophet says, it is not the, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. But it's the book of the Acts of the Holy Ghost in the Apostles. In other words, God saved you and me to give us his nature, to make us images of Christ so that we may continue with his work to destroy the works of the devil. May the Lord help us to give us the hunger and the thirst. May the Lord help us and give us faith. May the Lord help us and open our eyes to see the purpose of God that he has for you and me. So that we remain on our knees until he has come and filled us. And after filling us, remain so close to him. Forget all these things of the world. The things that easily beset us. Just like we are sharing last Friday. How the Lord visited Mary and Martha. But Martha remained with the Lord. Rather, Mary remained with the Lord. And Martha was busy preparing this, that, other. Until she came and complained to the Lord. Don't you mind, Lord, that my sister has left me to work alone? Bid her come and help me. And the Lord told her, Martha, Martha, you are troubled by so many things. 
the things that will be easily taken away from you. But Mary has chosen the good part which will never be taken away from her. Which good part was that? Desiring to be formed in the image of Christ. Desiring to be led by the Holy Ghost. Desiring to be filled. And not only filled, but even refilled. David cried and said, Lord, fill me till my cup overflows. That should be our earnest prayer. Not only to be filled, but to have a law of God. Brethren, the devil has tried to take us away from the things that matter. Just like we are sharing last Friday. The things that had taken mother. Preparing tea for the Lord. And yet this one is. At Jesus feet. Being instructed. Being taught. Being guided. By the creator of the heavens. See that several things take us away. From the primary things. The things that matter most. Getting a job is good. Buying a plot is good. Getting a spouse is good. And God knows that you want these things. But he said, first seek in the kingdom. And my righteousness. And the rest will be added unto you. First things first. Get that God in you. Let him fill you. Let his character be in you. Look at yourself in that mirror of the word. And check yourself. Are you holy like God? Are you righteous? Are you patient like God? Are you meek? Are you compassionate? And if you are not, go on the knees and seek his face. Tell him, Lord, I find myself a tattoo. I find myself gossiping. I don't want it, Lord. Make me in your own image. Mold me, O oh Lord. God is waiting for that. That one will not come by emotion. It will only come the prophet has told us by that inward work in your soul. God transforming your character. God 
He's throwing you. And he's throwing himself. In your soul. That is one of the purposes. Why God was manifest in flesh. To have preeminence. In his church. To portray his character, his nature. In you and me. And it will not come automatically. It is sought for. It is labored for. The Bible says, let us labor to enter. So we have to labor until we have entered. We have to labor until we get his character. And after getting it, labor for more and more of it. Until we can see a full reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says here, Brother, I know it's called heresy. It's called fanaticism. But if I had a choice to make tonight, my choice would be to be like him. <coughs> oh, I want it. Anything in my life to reflect the image of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. And he says, I'm going after tomorrow night. After this wedding, I'm going into the wilderness. I mean to stay there. Because way down in my soul, I feel that I need a closer walk with God than what I am. I don't, I don't want just to walk. I try to walk right before him. But I want a closer walk with him. While the Branham Tabernacle is having a revival, I want one myself. I just, I just don't want it to happen in the building. I want it to happen in me. I want a closer walk. I want more of the Holy Spirit in me to reflect Christ in me. I want to be like him. And I know that every I know that every true, true Christian wants to be like he. That's my heart's desire. To be like Jesus. I want to be like him. He is my example of what I want to be. And look, it will take the Holy Ghost to do that. That is the only thing that can do it. He says, I have tried to walk right. And I know I'm walking right. But he says, that one is not enough. 
after here I want to isolate myself. Go in the wilderness. Because I want more and more. That was our prophet. We saw in the prayer meeting. <laughs> so that Jesus used to pray most. We read that scripture that Jesus prayed all night long. He didn't pray for a few hours. No. All night long. And that was his way of life. That was his lifestyle. He would preach throughout the day. He would the sick and deliver the prayers. At night, in prayer. And the prophet said, Why did Jesus God in flesh pray all night long. And he said because he wanted to be fully connected with the Father. Jesus used to say my Father worketh that I work. I cannot do anything without seeing my Father without my father showing me. In other words, he wanted to be connected. And the prophet says, if God in flesh would pray throughout the night, then what about you and me? Sinners saved by grace. How much more should we pray? Our prophet is telling us he's going to abandon himself go in the wilderness and seek his face until he has a close walk with him. And he says nothing else can bring it but the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And not only the baptism, but baptism upon baptism. Keeping the Holy Ghost around you and in you. Portraying the image of Christ. That's what God wants in his church. He wants to have preeminence in his church. He wants to have preeminence in your life. He wants to get you off your throne. And he throws himself in you. But he's a gentle God. You'll not force himself there. You have to pave way for him. You have to seek him. You have to repent of your sins. You have to remain on the knees. Our prophet told us, do you want to see God? Do you want to see angels? Do you want to see a pillar of fire all the time? Keep his presence around you. Read his word. Meditate upon it. Pray. Seek his face. He will come and abide with you. Brethren, we have to pave way for the Lord. We should desire 
to be the image of Christ. May the Lord help us. May he give us the hunger and the thirst for more and more of him. God bless you so much.